in recent months, <clears throat> I have experienced, uh, maybe somewhat we as a family, but um, some of it was kind of personal to me, especially just a number of unusual things um, that went wrong over the last few months. They were unhandy things, they were inconvenient, um, painful emotionally in some cases, and some cost me uh, a lot of money, um, several thousand dollars. There's been a number of mechanical breakdowns uh, between our lawn and garden equipment and vehicles and our camper, and there was some unusual challenges at work, and then of course recently Chris broke his hip, <clears throat> and uh, needs ongoing medical attention for that. And as I have been, I don't know, and I'm not speaking for uh, the rest of us as a family, a number of these things have you know, kind of fallen on me specifically when it's mechanical breakdowns and things of that nature. But as I, as I was experiencing those things from week after week, um, you know, most of the things that happened in themselves were not a big deal. It's not a big deal when the tiller breaks down and you have to put a new engine on it, except that it costs some money. It's not that big a deal. It's a first world problem. Um, we were able to pay to, to get it fixed. And you know, our, our camper tires blew when we were, oh, sons and I were on the way to a camping trip three weeks ago and you know, things like that. And, and each one of them, while they're really unhandy in the moment, each one of them in themselves are, are not life-changing thing, really, not, not a huge deal. But when there's a number of things back-to-back, -back, we begin feeling the, the kind of the pile-up of those things, the, the emotional stuff that we experience and all that. <clears throat> it's a little bit like I was thinking this morning, as I was kind of meditating on this in the service here, it's kind of like if you trip and fall, and you're like, oh, well, let's get back up. And as you're getting back up, maybe you're halfway up, and someone comes along and just knocks you flat in your face again. Well, two times isn't too bad. So you're getting up again, and then there's another. And if that would literally happen to you physically, someone would knock you down a whole bunch of times, eight or ten times, while you're trying to get up, what would be the temptation eventually? Or what, what, what would you be thinking? Maybe I'd just stay down. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get back up again. Um, you know, there's just all kinds of things we would think in, in a case like that. And, and, and I was also thinking, as I was meditating through that, um, it's a little bit, that is, is somewhat the, 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 what happens in the military uh, in training, when, when a young man goes to our military for, for his time of service, and he spends time, in, especially in boot camp, and then if they go for further training uh, as a Marine or a Navy SEAL or whatever it might be, there's a lot of being, a, a lot of, yeah, being beat down. Um, and... Uh, there's reasons for all that. There, there's, there's good reason for that. But it just reminded me of that again. 
And as I've been struggling through this, um, I had a few days over the last months that I did really feel the emotional toll of some of these things and, and was, was discouraged. Uh, a few times I was very discouraged and trying to make sense of it all. Again, you know, I, even though the, the things that I experienced were nothing like Job in the Bible, he lost all his children and all his possessions. It's not even close to that. But it was enough things that I thought of him multiple times over the last weeks. And trying to make sense of it all, it, it, sometimes we bounce back and forth between, wow, I mean, is this, is this the devil attacking me? Do I need to pray that God would protect me? Is that what it is? Or is, is God actually just bringing these things so that I become something different than what I am? It, we, we, we kind of, you understand what I'm saying? They kind of bounce back and forth between some of those thoughts, trying to, to figure out how to respond. And... Um, I think it was just the other day in my, in my morning uh, devotions, I couldn't even remember when I had seen it, but it was this week, I came across, stumbled on, Jeremiah 18. A scripture there that talks about where, where God is talking to the nation of Israel, and um, he's saying that he is the potter, and they are the clay. And that picture grabbed me because it was just what I needed to hear. Um, the title this morning is The Potter and the Clay. I'm going to bring this up here for a minute to show something. I have several pieces of pottery here. This one... The other two are a little difficult to tell that they're handmade, but they were. This one, it's pretty easy to tell this was handmade. One of our children made this out of clay they just found when we were on vacation and shaped this uh, into a, kind of a cup, a vessel type of thing. But that's a handmade piece of pottery. It was the, the potter took this clay and, and made it into something. And... Um, Here's another one that my wife made when she was in school. Now, she, she didn't single-handedly do all this work, and she couldn't quite remember how it all came about. But when she was in school, and I don't know, was it fourth grade, something like that, um, their class made these little cups out of clay. And they had someone that helped do some of the steps, but they did a lot of the shaping and, and forming of this, of this handmade piece of pottery. And then here's another one that's very professionally done. Uh, this was a, a 50th anniversary mug from my accountant in Pennsylvania, sent these out as a gift for their 50th anniversary. And this here, while it's really, really nice, this is a handmade mug. This was hand-formed. Um, from what I understand, on a wheel like pottery is. Uh, at least that's what it says on the bottom, so we'll assume that's correct. And so these are all things that were, were shaped by a potter where he took, he, she took a piece of clay, a lump of clay, and formed it into something specific, made something beautiful out of it. <clears throat> I'd like to read first six verses of Jeremiah 18, and I'm going to have Christopher bring up after I read this 
a little video clip of a potter. Jeremiah 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant? Well, we're going to stop there, actually. You can go ahead with that, Christopher, if, uh, if it cooperates here. Isn't that amazing? It's fascinating to watch that. Some of you may have been at um, Corning Glass and watched them do similar things with glass. But the, the, the thing that I like about this and about the picture, the word picture, or the, the kind of metaphor of a potter, like when, when we think of God in relation to us, the thing that I like about, well, you tell me what you like first. What, what do you like about, like, that happening? How, how, is, how is that like us and God? He molds us. With what? With his hands. We're in his hands. That, that's the thing that I like. And, and as I read Jeremiah 18 this week, it grabbed me because it reminded me again that all the things that we 
go through that are hard, that are emotionally difficult or physically painful or that cost a lot of money or that are inconvenient, whatever it might be, that the hard things we experience, all the time we're going through those, we're in his hands. We're never out of his hands because he is the one shaping us. And so all these frustrations I had over the last few months and these days of discouragement and saying, God, what is the point? What's going on? Is something wrong? I forgot for a while that I was in his hands. And when I'm in his hands, only what he wants to happen will happen. Maybe the devil's throwing some junk in, or maybe he's sticking his finger in trying to mess it up. But if he does, what, I don't know how you want to how we want to look at all that, but God is the one actually in control. We're in his hands. We're always in his care. And I needed to be reminded of that. <clears throat> in the Old Testament times, in the times when, back when Jeremiah was written, at least for the common people, Pottery was probably the only containers they had. Jars of clay, basically, they could have called them. They, they didn't have glass, and, and most people at least didn't have vessels of gold. I know that the children of Israel, in the temple, the tabernacle, they had, they had some vessels made out of gold and silver, but the common people didn't have that. They had, they had this. They had, had clay containers. And so in the Bible, it's just all throughout is that, that picture, that metaphor, because that was common to them at that time. And, and we forget sometimes until we see, you know, a video like that of a person shaping uh, that clay. We forget how that really works. We kind of are like the city people that think milk just kind of comes from nowhere. They don't realize the cows make it. We kind of forget that our jars and our all kinds of containers, they're, you know, they're, they're made with a process, you know, a molding of some kind. Um, it doesn't just happen. There's a molding process. <clears throat> and so the Bible has a number of references to that. And I'd like to, to, to just look a little bit closer here again at Jeremiah 18, just thinking about a few things here that it says. Um, he, he told Jeremiah to go down to this potter's house because he said, I want to show you some things there. I want to I teach you some things about the nation of Israel. And so he did. And it says he wrought a work on the wheels, just like the, 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 the video clip here where that clay was on a wheel. It was spinning that. And it says, as he was, was shaping that vessel on the wheel, it was marred. Something happened that made it, it messed it up. And so it seems like maybe he started over. Maybe he just kind of pushed it back into a big lump and he started over. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. And then he goes on to say, Jeremiah, that's, that's just how the nation of Israel is in my hands. If you are obstinate, you're stubborn, and you refuse to become what I want you to be, 
I'll just remake you into something else. I am the potter. It's all in my control. Now, God doesn't force us to be anything. But whatever we choose to be, he will use that somehow to do things that bring him glory. The Bible even says that King Pharaoh from Egypt, and back in the Bible times, that he brought God glory, or God brought glory to himself through a wicked king that was completely disobedient to God. And so, again, the, 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 um, the emphasis here is, is God's sovereignty. Though he gives us as humans the ability to choose. We believe he's given us a free will. We can choose anything we want. We can do what we want. But he's still there shaping in some fashion the whole outcome to bring him glory. In Job 10, uh, one of the verses that, that Laverne read here, I'm going to go back to that. Now, I think probably almost all of us here know the story of Job in the Bible. He was a man who lost all his things. And he lost all his seven children. They all died. And um, he had a lot of things to say about that. But in, in verse 8, Job 10, verse 8, he says, Thine hands, Job is saying this about God, Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Now, Job is, Job is complaining a little bit here because his life had become really hard. And though he was a godly man, he didn't understand either what all this trouble was about. He said, God, you, you formed me. You, you, in your hands, you formed me like clay. You were the potter that formed me, and now you're going about and just destroying everything you made? That was his question, I believe. God, what, what's the point? And then he says, verse 9, Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as clay, and wilt thou bring me to dust again? Basically, he's saying to God, it's as though I would just take this thing and just throw it on the ground and crush it into a thousand pieces after I spent all this time making it, he said, God, you're, you're crushing me. You made me, and now you're just, you're, you're taking me back to the dust. You're destroying my life. But I like the fact that in all of that struggle, he still acknowledged that God was the one who ultimately had formed him. And it was in God's control. And so he was taking his complaint to the right place. And like in our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked a lot about that. In the Psalms, David especially brings complaints to God. He says, God, you know, my life is hard and, and all this. He brings his emotions to God. And sometimes he, he says things that don't sound very Christian, but he was taking them to the right place, to the one who was in control. In Isaiah 64, there's another one. Verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are all the work of thine hand. 
And the context there in Isaiah was the nation of Israel was disobeying him constantly. They were very, very wicked, walking away from God. And, and um, God eventually brought enemies that destroyed their city and their country and took them off to foreign lands. And in the context of all of that, um, the writer there, Isaiah, is acknowledging that you are our God. You're the potter. You know what, exactly what you're doing. And, and um, I think he was acknowledging that in all the trouble they were experiencing, that God was sovereign. And the sovereignty of God is something that's, that's hard to talk about because it's, I don't know how to explain it. Because God can do anything, and yet he allows certain things to happen. He allows us to have choice. Um, but in what, again, in what, whatever choices we make, God uses that for his glory. In, in Romans 9, there's another one. I'm going to turn to this one, read several verses there. Romans 9 and verses 19 to 23. in the right place here. Oh, here we go. So just before this verse I want to start reading, he was talking about Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and how that, that his heart was hardened. In fact, eventually when he refused to obey God, God hardened his heart even further. And so then he goes on to say, Thou wilt say unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but... O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing that is formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter the power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much longsuffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had before prepared unto glory. A little wordy there, a little hard to follow exactly what all he is saying. But again, it's talking about God as the potter, knowing exactly what he's doing. Why would we say to the potter, why did you make me this? God is our creator. He formed you. He he literally well the bible says that he formed you when you were being wrought in your mother's belly in 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 psalm 139 it talks about that and and somehow god had his his intricate wisdom on every person and the forming of of you as a person and and so so the point in all of this is how dare we? Why would we, as the clay, say, you're not allowed to make me this. Why are you making me like this? The potter has much more wisdom than the clay. In a literal sense, we would certainly agree with that, right? Clay doesn't know a whole lot. Uh, the potter knows what he's doing. <clears throat> 
again highlights the sovereignty of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, another verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the uh, King James version of that. Said it a little different than some others, but it says that the excellency of the power of God, of the power may be of God and not of us. And, and, and that verse brings out the fact that, that we as, as frail human beings, we are not very much on our own. We're actually very, um, well, we're very frail. We're very susceptible to sickness and, and ultimately to death. And yet God, through we as frail human beings, highlights his power because it's obvious that we aren't a whole lot. And so when we are something with God in us, he gets all the glory. 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. Um, I'm going to turn to that one, get a little more context here. 2 Timothy 2. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. And then verse 22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness Faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it seems like that scripture, as well as a lot of others, would say that, that, that we have something to do with how we turn out. God has us on the wheel. He's using his hands to shape us. But we as people can affect that shape. We can resist it. We can say, no, I don't want to be that. I don't want to live a holy life. I want to do whatever I want. And we ultimately can cause ourselves to be shaped into something that is really not that great. Um, I think we would say there's, there's a, a, a difference in these, obviously, in the, the level of, of beauty. And maybe if we would use this one as an example of us, if God is trying to shape us into this, and we say, oh, no. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going to be that. We might end up a little lumpy. Not as round as what we would be. This kind of a vessel, I mean, this brings honor to the potter, wouldn't you say? That is a gorgeous mug. To, to me, it's incredible that someone can shape that on a wheel. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I'm just like, wow, that is unbelievable. And did you notice on that video how she shaped that? I mean, it, it was just this lump. And next thing you knew, it's this tall vessel. Nice shape. She opens up the inside with her hands. It becomes an actual beautiful vessel. I don't know what it looked like it was done. Probably it was put in the kiln. Probably it was painted and polished. I, I don't know. But I'm assuming that it turned out to be something you know, kind of like this, a beautiful vessel. And so we can affect a little bit like how I was over the last several months. There was a few times I felt a little bit like this thing where I'm not sure I really want him to shape me. I, I, 
I felt a little lumpy. But, but if we want to be that kind of a vessel that, that is, is, is beautiful, that is, is someone that people look at and they say, God has done incredible things in his life. It's, it's amazing to see what God has done to that person. Then we're going to have to be flexible. We're going to have to be soft. And we're going to have to say, God... It's okay. Go ahead and do it. Whatever you want to do. Uh, I just referred to this briefly, but I'll see if you caught it. After a vessel is shaped, what's the next thing that happens? Put into the fire. It's heated up really hot. And so, and, and I know you've heard this, you know, the illustration before, but we don't like heat in our lives. The heat is difficult, but it's ultimately what causes us to become what we should become. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The uh, Mullet family, which many of you know about, sing a song that says this in one of the verses. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take me from, though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. And it's a good song to listen to if you're in a hard time. It's it's a real message there. <clears throat> There's a hymn in our books here that we sing, and, and maybe we could have this for our closing song, wherever Nate is. Um, have thine own way, Lord. You ever think about what the verse says? Have thine own way, thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. This hymn was inspired in 1902. I think I'll just read this here. By a simple prayer of an elderly woman at a prayer meeting. She was in a prayer meeting and another woman prayed this. It really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your way with our lives. And so it goes on to say, Pollard had a strong desire to be a missionary in Africa. When this plan was not fulfilled, she taught at a missionary training school on the Hudson. She finally made it to Africa for a brief period before World War I, but she spent the war years in Scotland. After returning to the United States, she continued her ministry even though she was in poor health. Have Thine Own Way, Lord, was composed during a time when Miss Pollard was trying to raise funds to make a trip to Africa. Her unsuccessful attempt to do this left her experiencing a distress of soul. The crisis of soul and the simple prayer of an elderly lady provided a setting for personal reflection on the will of God for her life. After the prayer meeting, she returned home and wrote the hymn as we sing it today. <clears throat> We 
One of the things that I have been sensing, and you've experienced this before in difficult times, when life really squeezes us, as hard as it might be, over time we begin feeling the purification that is happening. We begin feeling our stubbornness kind of subsiding, like being pushed out. We feel the junk that's in our lives, our, 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 um, our selfishness and our, our sinfulness, our desire to do what I want to do. We, we feel that being squeezed to the sidelines, and eventually, unless we really battle it, eventually we say, it's okay. Just like um, Dwayne's been saying, that the PETA's experience with Kristen's health, in all of that, the, the, the fear that I'm sure they experienced, yet God has brought grace to them in a way they never probably felt before as they're surrendering to that. It's amazing. We're going to kneel for prayer, and then if we could have that song as our closing um, after the testimonies, that would be great. Let's pray. Let's kneel for prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your hands on us. Not only in the, the hard times, but in the good as well. We know that everything ultimately comes from you. I just thank you for the picture that you have painted in your word of we as humans being like a piece of clay that you want to mold into something beautiful. At times we feel the pain of the molding and of the heat, and we resist it. But I thank you that your loving hands are always on us, always caring for us, providing for us, enabling us to keep going. And ultimately, that, that your longing, even when things are hard, is you, you're, you're really trying to make us into something very beautiful. So help us to let you have your own way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.